Good morning, Wave Fellowship Church. So good to see you guys here. If you would, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 7. If you're a guest with us this morning, welcome. It's a unique service in that this is my last time preaching at the Way Fellowship Church. Um, I thank you all for coming and honoring me that and all these years of service to you and to the Lord and His church. As I spent the last month thinking about what to preach on as my last sermon, I questioned whether I should you know, do a famous passage, a favorite passage, maybe some weird, obscure passage just for the challenge of it all. Something that would speak to you and leave you with a word, a vision for the future. Um, I really wasn't sure what to preach on until last week when I was just walking, pacing in my backyard and stumbled upon something that I'll, I'll show you in a little bit. But uh, the Lord has brought me here. He's brought us here to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 today, 7 through 18 or whatever it is, um, to encourage us, to encourage us that, that no matter how weak we feel, um, listen carefully to the distinction, no matter how weak we are, uh, the Lord is strong. The Lord is sovereign in all things. Uh, as weak and, and, and just decrepit, as we are at times, the Lord is glorious and beautiful. Although we feel run down, tired, at death's door, the Lord Jesus is life. Life eternal, but life right now. And so this passage has given me great comfort, great encouragement this week. And um, I pray the same for you. If you wouldn't mind, let's just jump into it. Verse 7 really is the thesis statement for the entire passage. Paul tells us, We have this treasure in jars of clay so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. And we're just going to pick this apart a bit. The first thing I think we ought to see is that Paul says we have. Now, you all know I'm English nerdy, but this is a present tense verb. I don't think we should run past it quickly. Paul is claiming that right now we have this. It's not something we've been given. It's not something that was handed to us and is put on the mantle shelf as a symbol of something. We have this truth, folks, that right now, present tense, you and I have what? This treasure. What the heck is this treasure? Paul doesn't tell us what this treasure is right here. He alludes to it in the next couple verses, and and he bounces from something in the previous text that can give us a clue but what we have to figure out here, what is this treasure that he says we have? So we have a couple clues. B 
before and after. If you guys will bounce your eyes upward to verse 4. In the previous passage, in verse 4, Paul said, In their case, he's talking about the world, he's talking about unbelievers, he's talking about the lost. He says, in their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers in order to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. And so in the previous passage, he alludes to this image of light. We see it there in verse 4 and in verse 6. What is this light? This light is Jesus Christ who came down to earth. Remember, we just got got done celebrating this, right? The Advent season, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate, the light shining brightly, right? Light of the world in this dark world. And, and so in one sense, the this treasure that he says, that he speaks of in verse 7, is referring to the light of the gospel, the light of Jesus Christ himself. You know, when I was a kid, I would read this passage in the New International Version, and, and, I, and I don't know, I just I saw in my mind's eye, like just clay jars, you know, just sitting in this dusty room, some old you know, fashion antiquated room with just dust, maybe dirt on the floor, and these jars that are like, you know, maybe you drink out of them or something. But inside of them were light, were lights, candles or something, votives, right? And that's, that's the kind of picture I had, and it was connected to what Paul spoke of previously in verses 5 through 7, 5 through 6. But jump with me real quick. We're going to go backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. It's in verse 10 that he really tells us what these, what this treasure is. Jump with me to verse 10. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also displayed, be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then death is at work in us, but life in you. And so go back to verse 7. What is this treasure that you and I have? It is life. It is light, but it is life. Jesus says, I can find this verse. In John 1, 4. Sorry, John says about Jesus in John 1, 4, In him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of men. In John 8, 2, sorry, John 8, 12, Jesus actually piggybacks up on this and goes even more declarative. He says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. What is this treasure that you and I have in jars of clay it's light, it's slash life. 
It's the light that casts out darkness. It's the light that casts out death. It's the life that casts out death. And this is treasure. You know, as a kid, Tom Sawyer, right, Treasure Island, reading these books, growing up on these Disney movies or something, you know, treasure, X marks the spot, a treasure chest with lots of gold and booty in it. What do you guys treasure? We might not have a treasure chest. Not all of us might have a safe, right? But we have stuff that we put into a bank. We have shiny things that we polish and present to the world around us. We have valuables, don't we? There are things that we prize, that we seek and pursue. There are things that somehow give us a sense of identity and worth. We ascribe value to things. It's our treasure. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there is your what? But there's one treasure that stands against all the other treasure of this world. One treasure that is eternal, imperishable. One treasure that will not rot, that will not tarnish. And what is this treasure? It is the life of Creator that He gives graciously, mercifully to sinful men and women. Listen, it is the life that He gives graciously to dead men and women. And he takes that life and he places it in jars of clay. Not gold goblets, not crystal shoots, vasts, whatever, vases, but just clay, everyday vessels. We have this treasure in our clay bodies. We have immeasurable worth inside bodies that are not worth. He continues, for a purpose. Why has God placed this treasure in these broken down, worthless bodies? So that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. God puts his light, God puts his life within broken, tarnished, blemished, flawed vessels so that he might receive all the glory. And on the other end of this, so that we won it. And let's be honest, folks. I think, because I know myself pretty well, But I think you and I often spend the entire week thinking more about our glory than his. That we spend a lot of this week pursuing glory through these broken vessels than we do pursuing his glory mirrored off of these broken vessels. We are afflicted, verse 8, 
in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed. These bodies, these frail clay pots, are not strong. Right? They're, they're weak. And they're prone to injury. They're prone to damage. So much so that Paul has this list of being crushed, perplexed, living in despair, persecuted, abandoned, struck down, but not fully destroyed. And this is how the Lord presents the reality of you and I as humans. We're broken, we're frail, we're flawed, we're chipped, we're scarred, we're crumbling. And as we get older and older, yeah, we recognize that more and more, don't we? Yes or no? I mean, even you 30-year-olds, right? There's a point you pick up the toy and you're like, oh. Even the 30-year-olds in here. We are just jars of clay, but yet, verse 10, we carry. No, he says we always carry, present tense. Right now you're carrying it, guys. As broken down, as beaten down as you are, as weak and brittle as you may feel, Paul says here you're always carrying the death of Jesus in your body. That that, that broken downness is no different than what Jesus Christ himself experienced while he walked this earth. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body. Here's a purpose statement. So that, there's going to be a lot of these. So that, why? The life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. We have broken bodies for a purpose, guys. We are weak for a purpose. There is a purpose in your weakness. Let me say that again. Y'all are weak, and there is a purpose for your weakness. Your purpose is not to hide your weaknesses. Your purpose ain't to cover up your weakness. Your purpose isn't to deflect your weakness. Your purpose is to live in your weakness for what? So that the life of Jesus might be displayed in your body. For we who live... Present tense are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that, another purpose statement, Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then death is at work in us, but life in you. Folks, I'm convinced we spend so much of our time putting on a mask, putting on a persona, some kind of identity of strength, of superiority, of knowledge, of wisdom, of maturity, of expertise, of withedness, puffing up our chest, walking tall, using the right tone of authority, of knowledge, to hide our weaknesses. You know what? Here's another word. Your insecurities. And Paul's saying, that's not how you're supposed to walk on this earth. You're actually supposed to showcase your weaknesses. To just be you. 
So be real with yourself and everyone around you and just walk through this world as you are, broken, flawed, and allow Him and His light and His life shine through you. Doesn't that feel like restful and peaceful if you could actually do that? Just like, you know, throw off all the weight, all the expectations, all the presumptions about what people think about you, how people judge you, what they expect, and just you be you as God created you and is recreating you and let him shine. But I know for myself, listen, transparently, I know for 17 years as being a pastor, what it is to wear the mask, to put on the face, to be the presence in the room of knowledge, maturity, withedness, flawlessness. And then who gets the glory? It's called humanism. It's called works. Instead of allowing the grace of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Christ Jesus, to shine through us. John, can you go get that? You didn't know it, but I'm going to go full century. This morning I got my lovely assistant, stagehand. I was walking around in my backyard a couple weeks ago thinking about what to preach on. And I turned and noticed this in our backyard. Thank you. Isn't this disgusting? (laughs) Like you're looking at this and you don't even know what this is, right? This is a clay pot, right? Terra coat, whatever. It used to look nicer. But years and rain and elements and weather and Weed eaters chipping at it on the edge of the bricks there. I don't know. It's pretty. It's in pretty bad shape, right? And, and you look here, and I pulled out a lot of this stuff, this dead stuff. There was just like, it was all over the place. But inside, you can see there's some green, right? And uh, this is like five years, seven years old. And uh, still got the thing. In case, I, in case I forgot what it was. Mint. Okay. But, but look, look how old this is. Look how disgusting this is. Worn down, weak, fragile, crumbling. Right? You wouldn't gift this to anyone, would you? And yet there's still green here. And you can't, but, you know, it still smells good. The mint, overpowering. And it's winter time. And you know what? Like, I don't even like water this thing anymore. Like, I haven't watered this for years. But the condensation is enough. The right place, the right soil. You know, I put soil in this a couple times throughout the years. You know, but we pull the leaves. I made tea from it. It's good stuff. But look at it. 
Winter will pass, and what will happen in the spring, folks? It will bloom even more, right? It will grow like a weed. And here's the point, right? This is, this is us. Some of you guys are actually this ugly, and you don't know it. Some of you are this brittle. Some of you maybe not so much, you know. But this is, this is the metaphor that Paul's talking about. Not a light, but life. That, that in the midst of this death, there is what? Life. And, and how do you know that? Because you can see it. You, you, you see this, right? But yet you see this. And this is bigger than this, but what stands out more? I think the green. And you can also get close to it and you can smell it. But Paul says, this is who we are. He says, we, as these leaves, as this plant, are afflicted in every way. Harsh elements, neglect, Kids throwing footballs into you. In every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Like, but, but let's be honest, right? So how many times do you feel like someone just like comes up to you and pulls a part of you off? Right? Or, you know, have you guys ever been stabbed in the back? That doesn't work. I, th- I thought for sure this thing was more brittle. Hit. All right, there we go. Okay. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Are you? Or have you just become so numb to this world? Become so numb to being a target? Maybe you've gone into hiding. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Why? Verse 10, we always carry the death of Jesus in our body, but for a purpose, so that the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then death is at work in us, but life in you. Folks, Jesus Christ did not come to die a horrific death so that you might hide him. You know, if you're, if you're here for the first time hearing the gospel for the first time, or you're here and you've heard it before and you just need to hear it again, this life that Paul talks about is given to those who put their faith in the Lord Jesus. That's what we see in verses 13 through 14. He says, since we have the same spirit of faith, trust, since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. This is referring to the Old Testament. We also believe, we also have faith, and therefore speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. So Paul says, 
as a reminder. This treasure within us is given. It's not something that we accumulate for ourselves. It's not something that we work hard for, yeah? This treasure is something that we have received, that we have been given. How? Through, what's the magic word? Faith. That we have not trusted in ourselves, but we have trusted in another, the Lord Jesus. We have not trusted in our works, to make us beautiful, to make us glow, to make us grow. But we have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and his work. And what was his work? It was on the cross where he took our place. He took upon himself our sin. He took upon himself the consequence for our sin. And he became that substitute in our place. That what we deserved is just this. That's all we deserved. Is just to be this clay pot that slowly deteriorated over time and became nothing. And yet, in God's mercy and His grace and through the work of Christ, what did He do? Instead, He gives us life. Yeah? I feel like Vanna White or something. And how do we get this treasure? We can't work for it. Folks, you can't go to church or school or to work on Monday and put on a face, pretend everything's all great, and work hard to impress, dress to impress, speak to impress, drive the car to impress. It's a gift based on what Jesus has done and our faith in what he has done. And what happens is life begins to grow within us, called regeneration. And over time, as we walk with the Lord and he reigns on us and feeds us, we grow. We become beautiful. This is ugly, right? But imagine, use your imagination. We become full We become green. We become lush. We have an aroma about ourselves that people want. I know there's some weird people in here who don't like mint. I understand that. But most normal people like mint. Okay? And this is an aroma that people like and want more of. Christy and I have mint tea every night almost, like, Most people want that. Don't judge, Joel. And it catches the eye. Verse 15. Indeed, everything is for your benefit, so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. This life that we have in treasure, in in jars of Clay. This treasure of life that we have in these mortal jars of clay has a purpose. And that is so that other people might see the glory of Christ. The glory of what he has done within us. Not to see our glory in what we can do and accomplish. How we can put on a good show and make a good face. 
And people can look at us as an example. But know that, that literally there would be such a contrast between our outward and our inward. And that they would want that. More and more people would experience his grace. That more and more people would participate in thanksgiving to the glory of God. Verse 16 through the end here, Therefore we do not give up. As tough as it is, as tough as life is for you now, as much as you feel like this ugly, broken clay pot, we do not give up even though our outer person, present tense, right now, is being destroyed. We don't give up. We don't throw in the towel. We don't go running to a safe space. Why? Because there's something within us that is greater than this world. Because life is victorious over death. He says, why? Because our inner person, that's this right here, is being, present tense, renewed day by day. That that as this outer shell is falling apart, how many of you guys can identify? This inner beauty continues to grow. And we just get it backwards. We just get it backwards. We become consumed by the outward instead of the inward. And I know what it's like, you know, for health to go down and, and to like just be in that place where health is an issue. You know, and, and so that's hard. I know what it's like to be persecuted and stabbed in the back. I know that's hard. And I know what like peer pressure is too, to just perform and to maintain and to, to wear that face and that mask. But what the Lord wants us to hear today is that get with it, accept it. This is ugly, this is old, this is breaking apart, accept it. Just accept it. Stop trying to cover it up. Because something that when we cover this up, we minimize the power of the life right here. We remove the juxtaposition. We, we make it more muddy of an image, of a contrast. But God wants the contrast so that he would get more glory. So that people would say, how could someone so nasty and ugly <laughs> have so much life with them? I'm going to go teach again Tuesday. Students, 150 punk sophomores. And, and I'm going to meet them at the door, and they're going to size me up. They're going to size me up, and they're going to be saying, who's this old dude? <laughs> Gray hair. Luis said I needed a stool today because I'm too old to stand. <laughs> but the, these young pucks are going to be si- sizing me up, right? And, and I'm no longer, like, I am three times their age now. When I first started teaching, I was like just out of college. And I had a whole other mask I had to wear. 
But like, I, I've, my goal, my desire is that in the next three, four weeks, three, four months, you know, that they're not looking at some old dude. They're seeing what? They're seeing Christ. They're not seeing a persona that I'm creating, some kind of mask that I'm wearing, but that they would see something within me. Not just like trying to dress cool for them or act cool for them, but that they would see the love of Christ in me. That they would see the peace of Christ in me. That they would see the wisdom of Christ in me. The stability, the power of Christ in me. Because here's what we forget about the gospel. It's not just Jesus dying on the cross and taking away our sin and taking away God's wrath and reconciling us to himself. That's just half of the gospel. And we often forget about the second half. We got the cross, and what else do we have, folks? The resurrection. And, and guys, the resurrection is, is this. The resurrection is the new life. The, the resurrection is the continuous new life of renewal through the Holy Spirit's work. You know, so like the, the cross... He takes that pod and he clears out all the old death crap stuff in there and dumps it. But then the resurrection is he puts a new seed in there, germinates it, puts soil in there, and waters that sucker for the rest of your life. And so it's about being the light, being the life of Christ in this dark, lost world so that other people can see it and other people can smell it. He says here, verse 17, our momentary light affliction, that's in contrast to heaven when there will be no affliction, amen? But right now, our momentary light affliction, everyone who doesn't trust in the Lord and doesn't enter into heaven For eternity, we'll experience not light affliction, but great affliction. Let's put it in perspective. Contrast that sucker. So, so in contrast, our momentary light affliction that you and I experience daily is producing present tense. Right now it's happening, guys. If you're feeling afflicted, how many of you guys are feeling? No, don't do that. All right, how many of you guys feeling afflicted? Raise your hand in your head. Guess what? Paul is telling us that our momentary affliction is right now in this moment producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Right now, it's happening. We don't see it because we see the affliction. We don't see it because we feel the affliction. But this is the guarantee. This is the promise that in our affliction, no matter what it is, relationships, body, right, mind, emotions, loss, that he is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. In heaven. 
in heaven, no affliction, just rejoicing, just well done, faithful servant, just, you know, choruses, bombarding the sky all the time, I don't know, a praise, but like we're in his glory. So, therefore, verse 18, to sum this up, we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Therefore, we do not focus on what is seen. We don't focus on the temporary affliction. We don't fixate on on it. Eric was right at the very beginning. We fixate on Jesus. The next song we're going to sing is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. We don't focus and fixate on the hurt. There's grief. Feel it. Jesus felt it. But we don't wallow in it. We don't let that control us because we know there's one greater. We know that there is one who defeated sin, defeated Satan, defeated this world. We know there is one who is victorious, who popped back up from life, who now reigns at the right hand of God and intercedes for us, one who is coming back triumphantly. So we do not fix focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Folks, we try to be strong by fixating on things that will make us appear to be strong. Things that promise strength, right? The world deceives us into thinking that if we trust in these things or these actions or these attitudes or these personas that we put on ourselves, that somehow we will look the part and feel the part and we will be strong and we will be able to conquer anything. That's a lie. What does God want? I I truly believe this. He wants us to see that we're just like this clay pot. We're weak, we're broken, we're not all that. But within us is the creator of the universe. Within us is salvation, eternal love, and power. This last month, this last week, this last week, this last year, how long, doesn't matter. But what have you been putting your faith in? How have you been puffing up your chest? In what ways have you been presenting to the world a false strength? What, what identity have you bought in into? Your title, your job, the amount of money in your bank, the number of friends you have? How have you somehow been deluded into thinking that you're much more stronger and beautiful than this? And in the process, robbing the Lord of the glory that he seeks to have through the life that he has given you. Folks, the life that we have in Christ is the true treasure. Amen? It's not these things that we chase after, thinking that they'll somehow fulfill us. Paul talks about what is unseen and what is seen. I'm going to ask my other uh, helpers today to stand up 
and to walk around this room. It's a very interactive sermon. And to pass out something to you. When we look up here in the contrast between the red clay, the brown clay, the death of these things, and these sprigs, I think that's the right word, sprigs, with these leaves upon them. You guys can see the green, and it stands out, but you can't smell it. And so my boys are passing out leaves to you. Mint leaves for all of you who hate mint. May you bask in the aroma. And here's what I was thinking. I just want you to smell it. Because life, the life we have in Christ is aromic. And it should be pleasing to those we come in contact. People should not see you You shouldn't be concerned about people seeing you, but seeing Christ in you. And if you've been living life this last week, this last month, this last season in such a way where you're trying to project a persona upon others, um, I just really plead with you to repent this morning. That you don't have to be whatever you're trying to be. That you need to be the you that God originally created you to be and is recreating you to be. And that in being the you that God originally intended you to be and is recreating you to be, that people around you will smell him. That people around you will smell or see him. And so that's not enough to make tea out of. But you can press that in your Bible. Unless you just use a phone. Maybe you can put that in the case. Smell good for a little bit. But let it be a reminder That people ought to smell the Lord, not you. Because we stink. We stink. We might shower and clean ourselves up a little bit, but we definitely don't smell uh, like the beauty of the gospel. We pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the life that right now we have in you. I pray for my brothers and sisters here right now asking for those who feel beat up, run down, robbed, discarded, abandoned, sick, broken, hurt, crumbling, weak, insecure, hopeless. Pray for my brothers and sisters who have deceived themselves into thinking that a tougher image, a smarter image, a bigger bank account, 
particular dress, particular tone can somehow hide their weakness. Lord, to confess that, to recognize how absurd that is, to recognize, to remember once again that you cover us. That it's not the covering we create. It's the covering that we've received in the blood of Christ. That you have covered us. You've given us new robes. Lord, that you have recreated us and you're still recreating us into your image. And it's not our image that's important. It's your image. And so, Lord, once again, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for your grace to be upon them this morning. That you would gently, humbly, lovingly restore them to a proper theology of the gospel. That they would know that you want to use all of their weaknesses for your glory. And that any attempt to cover up those weaknesses results in the robbing of your glory. Let us be real. Let us live in true community. Transparent, exposed, open, forgiving, loving, confident in the grace that we have received in Christ Jesus. Lord, if there's anyone in this room who have never put their faith in you for the first time, I pray, Lord, that you would just expose to them this morning the reality of their state. Lord, that they really aren't that strong, that they're really not that, they're really not in control of anything. Lord, that they are just clay pots. But Lord, in you, there's life. In you, there's meaning. In you, there's light. So Lord, if there's anyone who's never put their faith in you this morning, I ask that you would give them that gift of faith. Call them to yourself. Lord, grace them with faith to believe you, to trust you, and to follow you. And for the rest of us, Lord, we just give thanks. Lord, may the life that you have put into us stir our hearts with more thankfulness to proclaim you, not ourselves, this week as we go back to work. Lord, this week as we walk among the lost, as we walk in the darkness, may your light, may your life shine forth. Or may people see you and smell you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.